America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is The Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. Is it a great day for the Senate of the United States? Well, Chuck Schumer thinks so. He and uh, joined by 18 Republicans uh, just passed a... Uh, 4,000-page, 4,155-page bill the, that keeps our government open uh, beyond Friday night, which is kind of good news. In fact, it will keep the government open and operating with some actual worthwhile changes uh, bef- all, all the way through this fall. Uh, but uh, e- even though you can say that, uh, well, okay, the alternative was far more grim. Isn't it right that uh, the Congress shouldn't be rewarded or praised or hailed for doing things this way? In other words, uh, you know that people used to say that less is more, and if they had concentrated on just doing what they needed to do, is it a triumph, really? Does someone believe that it's a triumph that they passed this bill by a 68 to 29 vote in the U.S. Senate? It's going over to the House. It's going to be signed by President Biden before he goes home uh, for Christmas. He's going home to the White House, and uh, which is at least his temporary home. And uh, President Biden is not even traveling down to to Delaware But there is a um, coming after a very emotional, very moving speech by Volodymyr Zelensky last night to a joint session of Congress. Uh, Maybe that helped because one of the good things in the bill is it does include more funding for Ukraine and more of a chance to win the war. Why is that so important? We will get to that. There's a terrific column that uh, actually looks at a Churchill speech. And uh, no, Zelensky isn't no Churchill. Churchill, you know, won a Nobel Prize, not the Peace Prize. He was um, a warrior, and so it would have been unusual for him to win the Peace Prize. He won a prize for literature because he was such an extraordinary writer, and uh, the Nobel Committee wanted to honor him. In any event, the, the... reference to a Churchill speech in 1941 before America was drawn into the war by Pearl Harbor, uh, that speech indicated that there was a choice that the generation was making between a new dark ages and the bright sunlit uplands. Uh, Are we on the verge of bright and sunlit uplands? We will get to that. We'll also get to a columnist a conservative columnist who says, please, 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 Republicans who are thinking of running for president, don't do it unless you happen to be the governor of Florida. Uh, Is it a necessary idea to save the Republican Party, to take worthy people like Nikki Haley and Tim Scott and Mike Pompeo and say, no, you really shouldn't run for president. We will talk about that with Hugo Gerdren of uh, the Washington Examiner. And we'll also be speaking about movies of the year. There were some very good movies of 2022. Some of them are playing right now 
what are they? And what are the stinkers that it is mandatory that you avoid? And by the way, the, the worst kind of stinker is one that goes on for more than three hours, really. Uh, I think about how you'll never get those hours back of your life. Meanwhile, it, it, it takes a lot more than three hours to read the uh, Senate bill that was just passed overwhelmingly. And it's a 4,155-page bill. But uh, Senator Chuck Schumer, the majority leader, and he will, of course, continue in that role because the Democrats actually gained a real majority. They now have 51 seats compared to the 49 Republicans. Uh, Senator Schumer held a press conference in which he just seemed, at, at least for Chuck Schumer, ebullient in terms of his relief and enthusiasm about the massive bill, the massive $1.7 trillion spending package they had just passed. Listen. A lot of ups and downs, but at the end, a great result that really helped the American people. That is true of the omnibus, which I'll say something about in his now. Um, a lot of hard work, a lot of compromise, but we funded um, the government with an ingress aggressive investment in American families. American workers, American national defense. It's one of the most significant appropriations process packages we've done in a really long time. It's, and um, it really helped women. I was really proud of those aspects, both in the omnibus and then the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act um, was added to the bill. Uh, the Merkley Amendment dealing with feeding was added to the bill. That's breastfeeding. Uh, I mean, the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, I'm, I'm okay, uh, but really they ladle on one thing after another, one thing after another. The one aspect of the bill that I think is the most positive single aspect of the bill, other than just avoiding the stupidity and the destructiveness of a needless government and pointless government shutdown, the most important aspect of it is uh, they passed a, a reform of the Electoral Count Act of 1887. And why is that so important? Because basically it's that Electoral Count Act that gave President Trump and people like Josh Hawley the idea that you could overturn an election using the vice president of the United States and that clause of the Constitution that says that at a certain date, the certified electoral votes shall be actually presented and counted, that basically they could do a recount. Uh, and, and this was not in the Electoral Count Act of 1887, but the act is so stupid, it is so outdated, it was passed as a reaction to the contested election of 1876, where it took them a congressional a congressionally established committee with supreme court justices and senators and congressmen and both parties to decide on disputes involving electoral votes where there was no agreement in the states as to how the states had actually voted that was four states that were contested of uh, south carolina florida and, and oregon and uh, louisiana but uh okay so the Electoral Count Act now is going to go onto the ash heap of history where it belongs. 
But uh, Pat Toomey isn't happy. He's leaving the Senate. He's been one of my favorite senators, and I admire Senator Toomey of Pennsylvania, especially in the light of him being replaced uh, by Fetterman. Uh, John Fetterman? Yeah, that guy. Uh, But uh, that's the one seat the Democrats gained that helped to give them real Senate control. Toomey said... A sta- in a statement concerning his vote against the omnibus spending bill, Congress does a disservice to itself and the American people when it considers $1.7 trillion in spending and hundreds of extraneous provisions compiled in one massive 4,155-page bill, all with little public transparency or opportunity to amend. It is true that the increase in defense spending included in the bill is desperately needed given the dangers facing our country and our international allies. But the legislation's reckless increase in domestic spending that simply ignores the past two years and trillions in extraordinary partisan spending above and beyond the normal appropriations will only exacerbate inflation, he says, and make it more likely that future generations will inherit a magnitude of debt that can only be resolved through crisis. With my last vote, says Senator Toomey, as a member of this body, I could not in good conscience condone this irresponsible product nor the process that created it. What about Zelensky and his impact on Congress and the world? We'll get to that coming up. Sign up today for our free weekly newsletter at michaelmedved.com. City sidewalk, busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style. In the air, there's a feeling of Christmas. Well, in the air, there's a feeling of continental blizzard, uh, which um, means that pretty much wherever you are, we are not hit hard by it, particularly in the northwest here. But the rest of the country, I mean, some of the the statistics about with the uh, wind chill factor, it reaching 20 degrees below zero, not below freezing, but below zero. This is uh, very difficult for people in Wyoming or Chicago or anywhere around the Great Lakes, frankly. And uh, may, if they are forced to stay home for Christmas because so many flights have been canceled, uh, maybe just enjoy the joys of the season and of family. There is a a piece in the New York Post by... uh, Representative Dan Bishop, who's a conservative Republican from North Carolina, he pointed out what he considered some of the most egregious provisions in the bill. And they're egregious not because they're necessarily terrible things. It's just because they don't really belong there. This is basically not a bill to change America. Let's fix everything we possibly can. Let's fill out a democratic wish list. It's supposed to be a bill that keeps the government operating. Uh, But what it includes, it includes $410 million to reimburse Jordan, Lebanon, Egypt, Tunisia, and Oman for tighter border security. This is one I didn't know about. (laughs) It's a lot of money. I mean, $410 million dollars, a lot of money. There's 524.4 million for the National Institutes of Health 
to fund a subdivision uh, focused on minority health and health disparities research. This goes along with uh, figures that were announced today about life expectancy, which is the worst since 1996. We, we are of the lowest life expectancy in this country of people losing years of their lives. And why? Well, because of COVID is one reason, but because of uh, opioids and opioid overdoses and the more than 100,000 deaths in a year. In any event, uh, $524.4 billion for National Institutes of Health to fund minority health and health disparities, the uh, minority group that lost the most in terms of life expectancy, Native Americans. Uh, by the way, all of this also relates to increased uses of usage of marijuana, uh, alcohol, and other things that aren't necessarily good for you, particularly if you're a young person. Uh, $65 million for necessary expenses associated with the restoration of Pacific salmon populations. Okay, first of all, it's not that much money. Second of all, it is a long-term government program. This is not something new. And um, $65 million for salmon, Bishop tweeted, seems fishy, he said. That's because he's from North Carolina. And if he were from Washington or Oregon or the northern part of California, he might have a, a different view of the importance of salmon. Uh, meanwhile, there's tremendous importance, and it's emphasized in a terrific column by, uh, by Brett Stevens in the New York Times. I mean, fabulous column that everybody should read uh, based upon Churchill's words. But um, that came up because Vladimir Zelensky addressed Congress uh, last night. And he received what was described by the Associated Press as thunderous applause. And if you actually watch, this is one of those occasions where people on both sides, nobody was sitting down. Uh, I, I don't know if... Uh, there were a handful of uh, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene who does not support uh, help to Ukraine. Maybe she was sitting down. But everybody else of both parties was up and applauding when uh, Zelensky said this. This is clip two. Thank you for both financial packages you have already provided us with and the ones you may be willing to decide on. Your money is not charity. It's an investment in the global security and democracy that we handle in the most responsible way. Uh, and he, um, uh, he went on to talk about what actually Ukraine has accomplished so far, thanks to American help. Uh, clip three. Against all odds and doom and gloom scenarios, Ukraine didn't fall. Ukraine is alive and kicking. Yeah. 
And uh, the uh, Associated Press reported Zelensky received thunderous applause from members of Congress and presented lawmakers with the Ukrainian flag that had been autographed by frontline troops in Bakhmut, which is Ukraine's contested uh, Donetsk province, which was held up uh, behind him on the rostrum by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Vice President Kamala Harris. Pelosi presented uh, Zelensky with an American flag that had been flown over the Capitol that day. Declaring that Ukraine will never surrender, Zelensky warned that the stakes of the conflict were greater than just the fate of his nation, that democracy worldwide is being tested. This battle cannot be ignored, he said, hoping that the ocean or something else will provide protection. He was speaking in English uh, for what he had billed as a speech to Americans. Zelensky appeared well aware of political divisions in the U.S. over prolonged overseas spending and called on the House and Senate lawmakers to ensure that American leadership remains bicameral and bipartisan. In a joint news conference with Biden, Zelensky was pressed on how Ukraine would try to bring an end to the conflict. He rejected a Biden's framing of a just peace, saying, for me, as a president, just peace is no compromises. He said uh, the war would end once Ukraine's sovereignty, freedom, and territorial integrity were restored and Russia had paid back Ukraine for all the damage inflicted by its forces. Uh, meanwhile, is this issue going to come up as a an issue in Republican primaries for President of the United States? It could, uh, because there are some Republicans who disagree with uh, the generous support for Ukraine. But what do we need to get a successful candidate who can actually get elected president. We'll speak about that with uh, Hugo Gurdren of uh, the Washington Examiner, who has a provocative plea. The Michael Medved Show. All across America. It's an honor to talk to you because I think you got the best talk show in the, in the United States. Thank um, you. I agree. This is The Michael Medved Show. right now with all of those canceled flights and oh do I feel for people oh do I hate it when a flight gets canceled on you and you can't travel where you want to go especially when it's right before uh, the great national holiday and no it's not just a religious holiday of uh, Christmas uh, there's a message for Christmas that I hope will echo long beyond the Christmas season. It's a brilliant column that appeared in Washington Examiner by the editor-in-chief of the Washington Examiner. His name is Hugo Gurdon. He has uh, been the former editor of The Hill and previously served as an editor and reporter at the Daily Telegraph of London and the National Post of Canada. Okay, leaving aside other English-speaking countries, 
we have a situation right now where we have an unpopular president. We have an even more unpopular vice president. Uh, what is the danger you're worried about for the Republican Party in a race where, by all rights, a Republican should have a great chance of winning? What's the problem right now, Hugo? Yeah, the, the problem is that too many Republicans, many of whom are indeed seasoned politicians and would do a much better job than Joe Biden, which I grant you is not saying that much. Low they bar. look at the situation and they say, my gosh, look at that. Joe Biden, he's 80 years old. He's not doing a good job. He's deeply unpopular. The vice president, who's like one would think was best placed to replace him as a Democratic nominee if Biden decides not to run again, although he is going to run again, is also extremely unpopular. This is an ideal time for everybody who thinks that they can, you know, they are made of presidential timber, that they'd make a great president. So the temptation is for all of these Republicans to rush in, and it's very easy to put together a list of a dozen or even two dozen people who might want to do it, obviously some more plausible than others. The huge danger of that is that if there's a big field, the primaries can be won with a small proportion of the vote. And if you remember back in 2016, uh, President uh, then candidate Trump won um, New Hampshire with just 35 percent of the vote, and he won South Carolina, which was the next uh, primary, with just 32 percent of the vote. In New Hampshire, there were a, just a small number of people after him who shared 60 percent of the vote. And in, in South Carolina, there was like 67 percent of the vote just uh, in, in a few people after him. And what I'm saying here is there are far more votes against Trump. If you're somebody who, like me, wants to see a Republican and conservative in the, in the White House, the last – and you don't want President Trump because, you, because the polls show that Joe Biden would beat him – Basically, Trump is just one of the very few Republicans, you know, big name Republicans who the Biden would beat. You don't want uh, President Trump, former President Trump, to top the ticket because that'll ensure the, Republic the Republicans are kept out of the White House. What you want is for a small number of people, preferably just someone like DeSantis running against Trump, so that he wins the nomination and you don't have Trump running through all of these other people who divide the, divide the Republican vote. Okay, it's it's a very 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 powerful argument, and uh, you 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 acknowledge that uh, uh, basically there could be doom by having a a whole series of plausible candidates. But let let's say it's more selective that we don't have the remember they they did double debates last time with the Republicans. They had so many of them. They had sort of the kids table and then the the adults That's table right. and uh, okay, let's say we keep it to three or four, uh, or, or maybe five candidates. Is that enough, or do you still face the same problem of dividing the vote and handing a nomination to President Trump uh, with whatever time he can spare from his various legal challenges that right. he's going to be facing in the next two years? Well, it's a very good question, and, and, and one can't know for sure. And at the moment, there are people who are considering running who you would regard in some ways as being Republican heavyweights. I mean, just for example, Mike Pompeo or Nikki Haley, both very well known. They're seasoned. You know, Mike Pompeo has been head of the CIA. He's been secretary of state. Nikki Haley has, you know, she was an ambassador to the United Nations, and she was 
the governor of South Carolina successful each both of those in 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 major jobs but no one is asking them to run they don't have any any real following now if they were in the race against DeSantis um you know I don't think that they probably would pull a lot of votes a- away from him but if you if you have I I think so I mean I would be much happier to see say four candidates vying for the Republican ticket, it, it dilutes them less. If you've got a lot, if you go back to 2016, you had a lot of candidates who were kind of getting 7%. Now, 7% is, is very, is, 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 doesn't, it leaves you miles away from winning. But if you get half a, if you get a handful of people getting 7% who would otherwise, you know, whose, uh, whose votes would otherwise go to a, 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 you know, a sensible candidate, those 7%, you know, the 7% that they get, can be very, very uh, important. Yeah, and, let, let me and you can get let me give an example of that, which is 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 very pertinent. Which is Chris Christie. I I don't think he got seven percent in any primary, but he was right. a factor in Trump's victory. How? Because he decimated Marco Rubio in a debate. Marco Rubio was one of the Republicans who actually had a chance to beat uh, Trump for the nomination. And uh, that's right. Uh, the the other aspect that you raise in your column, and I must say it's it's a most chilling ending I've read to any column of political prognostication. You apparently had a conversation with someone who was part of Trump World, is part of the MAGA loyalist team, and who acknowledges what a lot of people have suspected is that if Trump does not get the presidential nomination of the Republican Party, he'll run as an independent which kind yeah. of appeals to him anyway. What well, can be done right. about I mean, that? Is, well, that it's, it's, a, it's a terrible problem. For, I mean, what, has, what, what has to happen is that more, I mean, there has been a very strong drift over the course of the last two years um, of Republicans, you know, immediately after Biden came into power, Republicans in polls said that they were showed that they were more loyal to Trump than they were to the party. He meant more to them than the Republican Party. That balance has inverted. It was like you know 65-35 one way, and now it's like 65-35 the other way. So there needs to be amongst the sensible Republicans who genuinely want Republican victory and are not part of this kind of personality cult of, of Donald Trump to be making the case over the as forcefully as they can, and again and again and again, consistently, and pointing out that if you vote for Donald Trump, you're, not, you're voting for someone who has proved himself a loser in the last three elections. The 2018 election, running against Trump, the Democrats, took, the, took Congress. Won 43 seats. Right. Took they, they, Biden, who in every previous presidential race he's ever run has been a rounding error. He's never been popular, but he still managed to beat Trump. And we've just had an election in 2022 where the Republicans just managed just to get the House, even though there's an almost historically unpopular president. And the, and the, and the historically, president, uh, historically unpopular president's party um, – the Democrats actually gained a seat in the Senate and three and the, governorships and, and three governorships. And the, 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 you know, Trump's major endorsements lost far more often than they won. He's a drag on the party. Now he's, he's dragged the party down three elections in a row. And, he, and the polls right now show that Biden would beat him. Whereas someone like DeSantis would beat Biden. So 
you know, I, I got an angry uh, note from someone after I wrote this column who, you know, accused me of being a rhino and, 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 and all of this. And I said, surely the people who are Republican in name only are the ones who vote in a way that is going to defeat the Republicans. If you're not a Republican in, right, uh, in, in, in name only, you actually want Republican victory. Don't vote for somebody. Don't support someone who's going to split the vote and make sure Democrat, Democrats stay in power. We will be right back. Uh, I hope you can hang with us for a few minutes more. Hugo Goodren, who is uh, the editor-in-chief of the Washington Examiner, coming up. show there's a column in Washington Examiner the headline don't run all you Republicans don't run and it it actually looks out at a a version of the future that almost seems inevitable especially when you come to the conclusion of the column uh, where there is a uh, uh, the recognition that if President Trump does not win the nomination of the Republican Party he uh, is very likely to launch his own party, uh, an America First party or a MAGA party or however you want to describe it, and to run as an independent. Uh, Hugo, you're, you're very sure that he couldn't win a three-way race against, say, Biden and DeSantis. Uh, why do you uh, assume that with so much certainty? Well... Uh, let us say DeSantis and Biden were running against him. Trump would get v very few votes, if any, from the left-hand side of the spectrum. You have to remember that he was beaten by 7 million votes just running by himself against um, Biden. There's absolutely no chance that he would pull a substantial portion of the Democrats away from uh, Biden. And in current polls, DeSantis beats Trump. So Republicans prefer DeSantis to Trump right now. And my guess is that the longer we get away from the uh, Trump presidency, which is now two years away from it, and the more erratic he is by, for example, having you know, dinner with Nick Fuentes, the white supremacist, and, uh, and uh, you know, the Yi, who is uh, the, you know, an anti-Semite, you know, that kind of thing, um, you know, just turns people off. I don't think there's I don't think he's doing anything right now that is going to encourage people to uh, to, to 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 join him. Um, I think there is a there is a dwindling number of diehard Trump supporters who, frankly, will just follow him no matter where he goes and no how matter how how implausible he is. And he's, you know, like a month into his campaign right now, I mean, he's. He's selling gift cards and, and, and stuff like that. I mean, this, is, this, this has become a, a grift and, uh, you know, a recognizable one, which is not going to attract anybody. Well, um, he, he, made already... he made $4.5 million on selling the NFTs, the, uh, the Trump cards as an astronaut and a cowboy and a race car driver and a superhero. Right. Uh, the... The interesting thing about that, I don't know if you covered it in the Washington Examiner. Do you know where that $4.5 million is going? 
I, I don't, I'm afraid. I, uh, I, we may well have covered it, but I haven't read the story myself. So, um, and, and, I, the assumption, I think, by a lot of people had been it's raising money for his campaign because he's in the middle of a presidential campaign. He's already announced. It's not. It just goes to the Trump family. It's a family business. It's a, a right. personal profit-making venture of which uh, he, as the tax returns now show, he has operated with varying levels of success uh, mm -hmm. over the years. Uh, wh what do you say to the argument that Trump is always, always underestimated? And you mentioned before that the polls show him uh, losing to Biden. You know that Trump true believers don't believe that he lost to Biden, that he actually won the election. Right. And and well, then people said the same thing about Hillary, that uh, Hillary was supposed to win by a comfortable margin and uh, and Trump won that election. Why is right. it not possible that people could be just profoundly wrong again and underestimating the former president's appeal? I think people have underestimated Trump, and I'm not one of those who thinks that he that everything he did was wrong and everything he touched was corrupted. Uh, uh, you know, I but but he in 2016 he was running against a, a sort of historically bad politician, um, Hillary Clinton, profoundly unpopular, had, you know, that the party was going along with her. But, you know, I don't think that the country was in, in the least bit infused by her. And um, Trump was fresh. But it, in saying that Biden would beat Trump, we're not, it isn't really a sort of speculative thing. Biden has already beaten Trump. This isn't, this isn't, I wonder what would happen. It's what did happen when they last met. And Biden got 7 million more votes. Okay, it's, it's not a popular vote thing, but he also won more states. He won the Electoral College. Now, yes, you're right. A lot of uh, Trump supporters, encouraged by Trump, uh, think that that isn't true and that the, the, the election was stolen. But the evidence for that is not there. Um, it's just not there. I mean, there are things that went on about you know the changing in the rules of the, the way that people could vote. Some people would say that amounts to rigging it in for the Democrats. There isn't the evidence that the thing was stolen, and um, you know he, he's uh, I, the, the, he's not offering anything new except these uh, strange baseball cards with him <laughs> depicted as uh, Superman. Um, this is not this is not the stuff of a, of a persuasive presidential campaign. The, uh, the 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 other point that I think is something we've talked about on the show before is Trump, uh, as you said, was fresh. He was a novelty uh, back in 2016. Uh, but people know him extremely well right now, and they seem to have very strong, unshakable opinions about Trump. And those opinions are emotional and enthusiastic, either enthusiastic right. and emotional in his behalf or not over my dead body. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and there, there's been very little evidence, even in the campaign so far, and he's been a candidate for nearly a month now, of an attempt to persuade people who would be considered to be dyed-in-the-wool Trump haters who are not all Democrats, who include a large number of independents and some Republicans. Right, right. Yeah, you know, I think that his... Oddly enough, his announcement of, uh, 
happiness very early in that of his intention to run for the presidency was an act of bravado and weakness, not one of strength. You know, he's he's declared himself much earlier than than most people do. Um, you know, probably as much as six months earlier than DeSantis will. Um, but it was as though having he had to he had to say that he wasn't rattled by the midterm elections. He had to he had to come across as brave and you know unrattled. His candidates had been uh, had underperformed the Republican Party in again and again and again through the um, through the, the the midterm elections, and it was almost as though he was going to say, yeah, that, "That's completely unimportant. I'm still I'm still going to run." And he therefore declared himself. I think that there was a, a a real note of weakness, and indeed, the speech was lackluster. He didn't look like he really wanted it. Um, people in the room started talking amongst themselves. Some of them actually tried to leave the room at Mar-a-Lago, and they were stopped from getting out by security. He just doesn't catch fire with people in the way that he did. I mean, obviously, he catches fire with his base of support. But, you know, it's now a long time since he emerged in, uh, what was it, 2015, coming down the elevator in Trump Tower. You know, he's been in everybody's faces and in everybody on everybody's TV screens for seven years. He's not the fresh guy that people thought, oh, my goodness, this is something entirely new. They know the shtick. Uh, he's, he's been in the White House. He's, he's been tried. He's been tested. And he's been rejected. He would also be 78 years old at the yep. next inauguration. He's 76 now. And uh, I, I know he's youthful and zesty compared to, to Joe Biden, um, but uh, mm-hmm. that could be a factor. Carl Rove has a piece today about it's time for the uh, baby boomers to let go in American politics. Yeah. I, I assume you think that's generally a good idea for both parties, don't you? Yes, I do. Um, I, I do think so. I think that the... Um you know, the, the, the Democrats up until now have been run in, in Congress by, you know, Nancy Pelosi, 82, Steny Hoyer, 82, you know, Clyburn, 81 or so, something. You know, Schumer in, in the Senate is the spring chicken at 72 or 73. Uh, it's these these are this is this is people clinging to power by their fingernails. And obviously, Joe Biden is the supreme example of that. It is. It, it, there needs to be new blood uh, in the uh, in in the Democratic Party and in the Republican Party. You, then you look at who the possible candidates are in the Republican Party. You know they are a younger generation, and uh, and 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 I, I just think that it's time. It is time for the uh, people who are in their seventies to to move over and realize that that is not the time to be taking the most. A demanding job in the world, as Biden has shown himself. He shouldn't be in that job. Yes, and this should be a message received by Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and yes, a whole host of others. Uh, Hugo Goodwin, Merry Christmas to you and to your family in this greatest nation on God's green earth.